Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Let us pray. Father, through your spirit, open the words of scripture for us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, in an exercise, just because when the cat's away, (laughs) we're going to do a little audience participation number for a second. All right. I'm going to start the verse, you finish it, okay? I know my plans concerning you. Okay, that's pretty good. I can do all things for God so loved the world. There you go. (laughs) Certain verses, including the last, which is from today's gospel, have become so established as part of the culture that they've become what we would almost say is cliche, hackneyed. John 3.16 has made it onto billboards, bumper stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts, neckties, socks, watches, the faces of athletes, and yes, you can find everything on Amazon, cowboy boots. I'm not kidding. For uh, $315.64, you can giddy up for Jesus. Still, Despite or probably because of its prevalence, the deeper themes of this, and honestly, those other verses and their surrounding stories often get lost. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus is one of darkness and light, of washing and rebirth, of sacrifice and victory, and of the entire Trinity's work of love. As our scene begins, we are in darkness. Night has fallen when the Pharisee Nicodemus seeks out Jesus. Many people have speculated as to why he came by night. Was it to have time alone with Jesus? Was it because he feared others seeing him with Jesus since he was a prominent Pharisee and member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court? Whatever his reason, I think John includes this detail to show that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus in spiritual darkness. He needs to find his way. 
I grew up in, the, in a very rural area in the mountains of North Georgia. On a moonless night, the darkness was thick and palpable. There was no ambient light from street lamps there, eight miles from town. <laughs> it, when the power went out at my house, some of you may have experienced this this week, by the way, uh, but the darkness was formidable until one could find a lamp or a flashlight. It was frightening, especially as a child. Uh, you see, in the dark, you don't know which direction you're facing. In the dark, you don't know what is beside, behind, or right in front of you. Darkness is danger, chaos, and confusion. The Gospel of John is saturated with this theme of light and darkness from chapter 1 onward. Darkness is portrayed as the realm of unknowing. It is the opposite of the light, representing knowledge, which John says is coming into the world through Jesus. Darkness, John says, has never mastered or comprehended the light. And darkness is where we find Nicodemus. Nicodemus knows Jesus has come from God somehow, some way. He knows because of Jesus' works, but, but doesn't see clearly. Jesus answers with an invitation. Jesus responds to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. The kingdom of God, which Jesus speaks of extensively in the other three Gospels, is only mentioned here in the Gospel of John. The kingdom of God does not simply mean going to heaven when we die, being some ethereal spiritual being for, for all of eternity. No, this is an all-too-prevalent view that owes more to Plato than the Bible. The kingdom... It's a movement of heaven. It's heaven breaking into, conquering and transforming this world through the work of Christ and that will be consummated with Christ's second coming. Eternal life in the famous 16th verse is in the present tense. The new life is consummated at Christ's second coming, but it begins with his first. We see the kingdom in the curse starting to be worked backward, the very thing Jesus' miracles exhibit. It's like C.S. Lewis's Narnia experiencing the spring thaw after a hundred years of winter as Aslan approaches. It's the very hope of life together with God. Nicodemus doesn't understand. He gets tripped up by Jesus' words here. You must be born from above, Jesus says. The word, the word that means from above was used as an idiom at that time to mean again. Not unlike how we, and especially actors or musicians especially, might say, take it from the top to restart a performance. Nicodemus hears Jesus' words as, you must be born again 
when Jesus means that you really must be born from above. You must be born from God to see his kingdom. Of course, of course, Nicodemus isn't entirely wrong. This is a second birth. And Jesus' language affirms this. The second birth, this birth from above, is a spiritual birth. The way we are naturally born of flesh isn't enough. Since the day we sinned and were kicked out of the garden where God walked with us in the cool of the day, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Our flesh is weak and marked with death. Our sinfulness is no match for his righteousness. As we go through the season of Lent, we continually revisit this fact. As the ashes were marked on our foreheads on Ash Wednesday, so we are marked with a curse. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. In our fallen state, we are doomed. We must become new creatures, transformed from the inside out with our flesh, empowered by God's Spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus that we must be born of water and spirit to see the kingdom. Nicodemus must have recognized this language. He may have recognized this language of water as that of conversion. Gentile converts to Judaism were required to undergo a ceremonial washing to signify the removal of impurity. He would have no doubt been familiar with the cleansing imagery of Ezekiel 36, where the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The outward cleansing imagery that comes to its fulfillment in Christian baptism is bound tight to the work of the Spirit within us. The Spirit must move in and change us. And we don't decide the who, when, or where of its happening. The word for wind and spirit are the same Greek. Uh, the, the wind blows where it chooses, Jesus says. And you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. After the powerful windstorms Friday... Uh, none of us should have trouble with Jesus' imagery here. <laughs> the wind is powerful and unpredictable. Many people lost power. Some lost trees, roofs, or cars. A few lost much more. The wind cannot be ordered or tamed. Untamed unpredictability is one of the Holy Spirit's hallmarks as is the power to completely change anything he touches. Yet his is a will that is always good. Undoubtedly, you've also heard of the recent 
outpouring of the spirit that seemingly happened at Asbury University in Wilmore. What started as a very average college chapel service continued in a nonstop, spontaneous movement of prayer, praise, repentance, reconciliation, scripture reading, and even a handful of physical healings for 13 days. There were no guest preachers, no flashy worship bands, no smoke, no stage lights. It was remarkably unremarkable. When students and faculty entered the chapel that morning a few weeks ago, no one expected anything out of the ordinary. But that's when God often moves. God doesn't work in our ways or by our methods. We need not laugh too much at Nicodemus' confusion during this conversation. We all start out in darkness. But Jesus explains that he is testifying with authority about what he knows. He is not in the dark. He is the very one who has come from heaven. Jesus tells Nicodemus he is also the one who will be lifted up. Just like the serpent on the pole in the wilderness saved the lives of the snake-bitten Israelites who looked upon it. As we know now, Jesus meant he will be lifted up, but on a cross, and he will save those who by faith fix their eyes upon him. The saving, this saving act is the way God loves us. In fact, that's a better translation of the beginning of John 3.16. Instead of, for God so loved the world, many scholars contend it should be rendered, this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son. It makes sense. God displays the very act of love by sending his son. And as the season of Lent teaches us time and time again, this love for us, this overwhelming love for us is not based on our loveliness. While we were still sinners, St. Paul says, Christ died for us. And C.S. Lewis writes, the value of each human soul, considered simply in itself, out of relation to God, is zero. To have died for valuable men would have been not divine, but merely heroic. But God died for sinners. He loved us, not because we were lovable, but because he is love. Jesus says that all who believe in him will have eternal life. God has given us who were formerly marked for death, the life of his kingdom. The life that in faith we begin now will come into its fullness at Christ's return. Yet as we know, this faith can only come from the Holy Spirit's initiative, opening our eyes to the world of God's kingdom. 
But once he does, he brings us, in the words of St. Peter, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The next time we see Nicodemus, he is pleading for the Sanhedrin to hear out the arrested Jesus. And then helping Joseph of Arimathea prepare the Lord's body for burial. We don't know what happened the rest of the night of his conversation with Jesus. But perhaps the one who arrived in darkness left with light. May we too, who were blind in darkness, be shown the light of God's kingdom by God's spirit and receive salvation through God's Son in the love of God the Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.